Today I will be discussing Obama's first 100 days in office with Professor Desmond King, the Andrew Mellon Professor of American Government in the Rothermere American Institute. Traditionally, the first 100 days is when the American public takes stock of their new leader. The man who first started this timeline was President Roosevelt, and FDR's first 100 days in office in 1933 saw dramatic legislative initiatives encapsulated in what he called the New Deal. Professor King, how do Obama's first 100 days stack up against FDR's, and has he been as bold as FDR? I think he's probably been as bold as uh, FDR was in his time, uh, in our time, and uh, so I think the comparison's pretty good. I think they are different periods. The scale of problems um, facing President Obama are, I think, if anything, greater than those facing Roosevelt in the 30s, uh, in that there's a there's a very serious foreign policy dimension to his to his challenges, um, as well as the domestic turmoil. Um, Franklin Roosevelt, I, in in '33, certainly had serious foreign policy issues brewing, but they weren't quite as uh, immediate as the um, um, issues of Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and North Korea have <coughs> proved to be already for um, uh, for President Obama. Um, do you feel Obama has succeeded in inspiring confidence in the American nation despite the severe nature of the economic crisis? I think he has actually, yes. I think he's done a very good job on this front. And this <coughs> this came out um, on the 29th of April, which was the 100th day, when he gave press conferences in um, or talks in Missouri and then a uh, press conference in, in Washington back in the White House. Um, and he, he, he adopted a very optimistic tone. He's a very confident speaker, very self-confident, very articulate, um, very clear-minded, very thoughtful. And uh, also he has um, uh, what's often referred to as American optimism. And all of this came through, I think, very effectively in the interviews. Um, but but I, I think the main measure of, of his success in, that, in this regard is that he's not he's not appeared to be swamped by any of the particular set of problems he has. I mean, these problems are remarkably severe. It's no president has really faced them in, a, in, in um, 50 years uh, of this scale. Perhaps some have faced some of the major problems like war or um, economic crisis, but to be combined this way. And, and what he's shown in this, in this context is both a resolve to get on with addressing these issues and a determination not to lose his own um, policy agenda, which he set out during the presidential campaign. Um, when Obama took office, one of the main criticisms he faced was his lack of experience, and in particular management experience. Has he silenced his critics? Well, that's a, that's a difficult question, I think. Uh, he silenced his critics in the sense that he gives absolutely no sense of not being in charge and not being um, managerial, managerially competent. Um, and able to set agendas and to get things moving along. So I think in that sense he's, he's certainly silenced them. Uh, I think the one area in which perhaps um, uh, there is difficulty is, is in the, the most severe problem, which is the economic issue. And there's certainly been some quite severe criticism of his uh, selection, his choice as US Treasury Secretary, uh, Timothy uh, uh, Gettner, who um, at times has looked less fluent and less um, um, managerially in charge of the topics than he might be.
But I don't think this is rebounded on Obama yet, and he's given full confidence in, in other areas such as um, energy policy and foreign policy, where his secretaries of state, notably Hillary Clinton, uh, have have proved to be very successful. I think there's no question about his his managerial control. So I think the the question about experience is, is not one that's really come become an issue at all. I don't think it will be. And how long do you think he will stay loyal to Tim Geithner? Um, I think that's a good question. Um, it's 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 not clear. He's at the moment he's a hundred percent loyal. Um, the problem is um, Geithner, I suspect, is very impressive in in a small group performance, but he's less good with the with the media, and he's been less effective before Congress. He's often looked rather. Um, uh, the victim of events rather than in control of trying to respond to those events, particularly his speech in February where he announced in the most flimsy terms the initial uh, bank rescue plan or the toxic asset rescue plan. Uh, he's recovered from that period. I, um, I, I think the test will probably be in about six months time if the banking crisis, if the toxic asset crisis is as uh, salient as it is now, then there will be it might be time to make a change uh, in approach and, and therefore change in personnel. But I think, <coughs> I think Obama is aware, as are the more subtle observers of Geithner or the more well-informed ones, that there's a lack of support for Geithner within the Treasury Department. They haven't made uh, appointments below that level. As part of the Recovery Act, we've seen under Obama's leadership uh, the greatest investment in infrastructure since the 50s the greatest investment in education since the 60s and the biggest tax cut in American history and on top of that we've seen an extension of health care to children. When will the spending spree end and can America really afford such spending? Um, well, that's another very good question. Uh, I, I, I think we have to put those together and just both understand them as a, as a collective uh, initiative and disaggregate them. The, the uh, stimulus package uh, $787 billion uh, is not one big stimulus package at one go, it is spread out over some time, so it's not quite as, as immediate uh, as that might sound. Um, ditto with some of the other measures, such as extending healthcare to children doesn't necessarily mean it's all being used, but it's just a facility that's being opened up. Um, so I, th I think there are some subtle nuances that need to be um, introduced to qualify what looks like the aggregate spending figure. The tax cuts, again, <clears throat> are rationalised both in terms of uh, producing greater productivity and by being targeted on certain groups that they will balance themselves out. There is no question, however, that that this is a, this is a huge scale of spending, um, that the uh, federal government is therefore moving into a period of deep deficits. It's got an um, international trade deficit as well. And its the level of government debt, public debt, is rising dramatically, and the federal government has to sell bonds and treasury notes to cover this. Um, it's worked so far, but uh, whether it will continue to work is is, an, is a difficult question. We'll maybe get into this more, but the bonds, the 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 rates, the yield rates on bonds have been okay until recently, but they've started to go up more recently, as the, which means they're much more costly to the government in order to sell these, because the scale of what they're trying to sell, the scale of bonds they need to issue to, to uh, fund the public debt are so high.
So, um, do you think in this context that he'll be able to continue such dramatic legislation in the future, or is he eventually going to need to focus on spending cuts and reining in the deficit? No, I don't think there's any interest in, in spending cuts. I mean, well, the budget, the budget that's going through at the moment is supposed to have has a, got a plan in it to bring down deficits in the long run, but that's all really very. Uh, it's hard to know if that if if that's going to be um, realistic at this stage. So um, they they have to think about what that. That I mean, I don't no, I don't think there's any, and I don't think there's any possibility for spending cuts at the moment because the emphasis is upon Keynesian stimulus packages. So not in the short term, perhaps a review in a year in a year's time. Uh, but I don't see even then spending cuts really being put in place. I mean, he's just announced a huge educational boost, for instance, to to raise science to make science and research three percent of GDP annually. It's at the moment it's two point six, so he's going to be doubling the budgets of things like the National Science Foundation. Um, and I, it's a, such a large economy, it's such a large country, uh, it's such a large public sector, fiscally, that um, these sorts of things can be done in a way which they couldn't be done elsewhere. Um. After 100 days in office, despite the fact that the economy hasn't picked up just yet, Barack Obama is still enjoying a honeymoon period. And in recent polls, 70% of Americans like him as a person and 59% approve of how he is handling the job. Can Obama maintain his high level of popularity? Well, they, well, they, are, they are impressive figures and they're pretty strong compared to most of his predecessors uh, since we've had polling data. Um, I think it's fair to say that the next three to six months are going to be very tough on him uh, and, and will be a test of the approval ratings. Uh, there are several factors going on. One is, I mean, the, the economic crisis has really just arrived en masse during the last four or five months. The unemployment has gone up by five million in the last um, year or so. They're losing jobs every day. Uh, that has been attributed to the predecessor. Seen as something that came from the Bush administration, but if that scale continues, if the level of contraction in the economy continues, if the housing market continues to collapse and so forth, then Americans are going to blame somebody, and it may be it may well be the president, and his approval ratings may come down. What I think the approval ratings indicate that only that they they like and are impressed by him. Though there is deep polarization in there, we should perhaps talk about that at some point. But but nonetheless, the vast majority like and are impressed by him and see him as doing the best he can for these important tasks. Um, if his measures stall, if he can't get through, if there's no evidence of the stimulus package moving things along, I think six months' time we might see some decline in the approval ratings. There's no effective opposition, however, and the opposition hasn't succeeded in, in articulating um, an alternative to, uh, to, the, to the Obama um, program. They're very split and very divided, as, as you know, it's very split and very divided. So um, uh, there's not there's nothing particular as an alternative other than an opposition to the spending because it means taxes in the long run, which it certainly does. But that's kind of something that people at the moment tolerate because they want to see some evidence of job creation. Um, you mentioned how divisive the split is between the Republicans and Democrats. Is it significant that Obama's policies, particularly the stimulus bill, didn't receive um, bipartisan support? Well, it's not significant in the sense it got through despite that, but it is, I think, highly significant in that his efforts to be bipartisan and to reach out and to communicate to uh, Republicans as well as American voters that this is a crisis of such enormous proportions that it requires 
concerted bipartisan action by, by, by serious national politicians, that that failed and that the Republicans in both the House and Senate declined to vote for it. I, I, I think that may rebound on the Republicans in the long run. It's just they don't see the scale of the problem. Um, and since they were associated with a lot of it um, in terms of lax regulation, they controlled that Congress for um, uh, important years when, when some of the oversight was relaxed. I think this may be this may be short-sighted on their part, and it does appear they don't really have an alternative. So it just appears like opposition rather than constructive engagement. And, and Obama offered them constructive engagement. He made a lot of effort to go to Congress to meet party leaders from the G GOP and um, GOP members in the Senate and in the House, but it had no effect. <clears throat> and that I think is quite startling. That may well make him and his team think, well, there are limits to how much we should try to cooperate with these. And indeed, they've. They've tried to put this measure in, they have put this measure in, in respect to the budget that will go straight to the reconciliation stage as a way of avoiding uh, this sort of uh, partisan division. What do you mean by reconciliation stage? Well, they've, ag they've agreed in order that it won't be um, stopped in Congress, he's invoked something called the reconciliation clause, and that, um, whereby it's uh, discussed between the two chambers. Um, with the defection this week of veteran Republican Senator Arlen Specter, Democratic Party has nearly reached that 60 mark mm -hmm. in the Senate. What does that mean for Obama? Uh, well, Specter's defection I think is quite interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of media uh, inaccuracy in covering the idea that 60 is a sufficient number, well, it is a sufficient number to avoid a filibuster, that is, where two-thirds of the House can, can stop. Um, a law being passed or a bill being passed. Um, I mean, in practice, partisan loyalty isn't that strong. There's always some um, members from each party going the other way, and so it's a matter of, of, of putting them together. Nonetheless, it helps to have another one. And if Al Franken comes in from uh, Minnesota, then <coughs> it'll be a very good uh, uh, position, democratic position for, for the president. Um, I think Spectre's. Defection probably tells us quite a bit about the Republicans, as he obviously thought he would lose if he stood as a Republican in 2010 for re-election to the Senate, and he's gone to the Democrats. He may lose a Democratic primary, but at least that's his strategy. And the Republicans begin to look, in terms of party identification, um, uh, I think it's about 26% of Americans self-identify as Republicans, and about 10% higher self-identify as Democrats, and the Republicans are becoming much more the party of the South, particularly in the, in the House. And I think Spectre is responding to these, uh, to these trends. Um, so it's not perhaps quite as significant as it's been made out to be, but it's, it's not trivial either. Um, you mentioned that, uh, unlike FDR, Obama has very real foreign policy issues to deal with. Do you think he's salvaged America's reputation internationally in the past 100 days? I think he's improved it immeasurably and immensely uh, in these 100 days because he's, he's taken a tone of um, um, uh, openness, listening, uh, not dictating, trying to say that we have ideals as well as interests and that we don't want our ideals to be compromised by the interests Obviously, there, there is compromise all the time to trying to work with that. He's uh, significant. He went to Turkey very early on. Uh, he's, Europe, he's come to see. It's not quite as important, but he's put an emphasis in other places. Um, he's he's trying to be conciliatory towards uh, Russia about uh, nuclear weapons and other issues. He's trying to be conciliatory towards Iran 
uh, about um, its nuclear program and uh, other issues. He's trying to spell out a, a, a strategy for exiting from Iraq. He's promised to close Guantanamo Bay. Um, he's opened up to domestic debate the issue about um, the torture memos during the Bush administration and put these out in the public arena, which has, I think, quite shocked quite a lot of Americans and, and certainly been interesting for those outside America to see. So yes, I think overall the image is different. I think he's seen as somebody who will, I mean, the, we haven't had the great crisis yet in foreign policy. Something will happen, which will be very demanding. But I think he's made connections with leaders which will enable them to contact him and expect to have a res um, uh, to be to be heard reasonably and thoughtfully, uh, rather than um, uh, dogmatically and dismissively. And um, he seems to be placing a lot more emphasis on Afghanistan and Pakistan, and obviously with that, there's pressure for him to leave Iraq quickly. Do you think it's realistic how quickly he intends leaving Iraq? Well, I think this is quite a bit of continuity with the Bush years, actually, because they were already shifting towards Afghanistan and Pakistan. Um, I mean, I, it's it's I'm not in a position, especially, to evaluate the stability of Iraq. I, my my own view was that there was a there was too much optimism about how stable it was, and I think the last few weeks have have shown have vindicated that view because there's been these terrible suicide bombings and they're continuing. Um, the challenge is this Afghan, uh, but the greater challenge is this Afghan-Pakistan uh, border and the uh, ungovernability of parts of Pakistan, the encroachment of the Taliban and the very um, uh, complex relations between the Taliban and the Al-Qaeda and um, the Pakistan government. But to go back to your question on Iraq, I don't think this is going to stop his his schedule of withdrawal that he's laid out. Um, I think it would take a really quite, even even if there were a momentous eruption of civil war, civil social unrest and civil war internally, I still think he's unlikely to wish to con keep the numbers of uh, American troops there he has at the moment. Um, he would look for support, look for a UN mandate and try and work on, on, on a collective basis, bring in NATO and so forth. Um, the president has labelled waterboarding as torture, and as you said, he released a lot of documents regarding this publicly. Why has he not gone further and established a truth commission to prosecute former officials who practice torture? Yeah, I, I well, I don't know the machinations on this. I think I think um, the I think it's a very complex issue. He certainly spent quite a lot of time thinking about whether the torture members should come out. Um, and then there is a difficulty about whether if these people did carry out this, this um, the, the pe for the people who carried out these, these um, abuses, uh, you know, to what extent they were being directed to do it by um, members of the, of the administration. Um, I, still, I, don't think we have, I don't think this issue is resolved yet. I don't know whether we'll have a truth commission or some sort of inquiry. It might happen. He didn't rule it out completely yesterday in his press conference. So it, it may come along. Uh, um, there might be all kinds of... I think there are complexities here. I think some of the people who drafted those memos might might find that they are the ones who, who will be um, uh, subject of, of further consideration in various ways, uh, not necessarily the actual perpetrators, um, because there is genuine debate about how about the constitutional basis of these actions. And how long do you think it'll take before Guantanamo is actually closed? Um, I'd be surprised if it's not closed within a year. Um, the difficulty is where to place some of the some of the prisoners, and um, uh, I'm sure they're working on that at the moment. I mean, there are there are um, 
there are offers to take some of them in some European countries, and then there's a question of putting some of them in, in um, federal military prisons in the U.S. So I think I think it's a it's a logistic rather than a uh, rather than a, a sort of a policy question at the moment. It's just finding the solution to where where these people should go. So we've been talking about Obama's first hundred days, and obviously there's controversy about whether this is just what kind of marker is this? Um, one writer, Joe Klein, describes the 100-day measurement as flimsy journalistic conceit. Um, and some would say that Bill Clinton had quite a disastrous 100 days, but left his second term with high approval ratings. Is the 100-day measurement really an accurate one at all? No, 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 absolutely. I, I, I agree with Klein. It's, it's, it's a useful, it's, it's, a, it's a media invention, it's a, it's a journalistic device. It's not unhelpful. And, I mean, Obama has responded to it as much as the journalists because he chose to make a big speech about it, to make a big deal and to try and pump energy and enthusiasm into, the, uh, into um, Americans' uh, voters' attitudes and feelings. So, so it's now just part of the, sort of part of the, the, um, the news cycle, I think. It's there. Um, but uh, Franklin had an ex uh, Roosevelt had an exceptional hundred days. He got a he had a huge majority. He got a huge run through. He changed things he, on the banking system and so forth. He wasn't facing these multiple um, uh, tasks, but on the things he focused on, he did them. He did them well. And I think so. So it became a kind of standard point. I think it's more poignant for Obama than some of his predecessors like Clinton or, or Bush because the. Um, He's entered office in this such a severe economic crisis, uh, and he can point there to things like his huge stimulus package he's got through. They have announced a, a plan, a public-private uh, partnership for dealing with toxic assets. Um, they've they've used further money from the top, money for uh, recapitalising uh, banks and so forth. So I think there are things he can point to that have been done this hundred days. He's moved a budget along. He's announced um, powerful stimulus plans. And why has Obama gone decided not to nationalise banks? Uh, well, I, I don't think the, the public discussion of this is very satisfactory. There's a general sort of view that culturally nationalisation is such an anathema in the US that you can't use the term. Um, I think their instinct is not to nationalise, that the administration's instinct is not to nationalise if they can um, avoid it because they don't really have the resources to do it, they're not bankers. Treasury is, is, is very bereft of, of senior um, uh, deputy and assistant secretaries and undersecretaries. Um, so they don't really have the personnel to do it, actually. Um, I think the view is that if they, if, they, if they can avoid it, and if it could be done through a trust corporation or perhaps through using the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, more, um, which is a, a new deal creation itself, um, if they can use that sort of agency, then this is this is preferable. I don't think it's off the agenda in the sense. Six months ago, <clears throat> when an op-ed writer mentioned nationalisation, they would be pilloried for this is ridiculous. Now it's something that serious people are talking about, and you find people like the Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke saying, well, "You know, we don't want to nationalise others." But it's got further up the agenda, uh, much more than it has previously. I still think the instinct of Obama. Geithner, uh, Volcker, uh, Larry Summers and um, Ben Bernanke will be not to nationalise if they can, but um, they may come very close to it. If they have to go back to Congress for a second recapitalisation package, which probably wouldn't get through, uh, then there might be no option but to engage in some quasi-form of nationalisation.
Nationalization is something which hasn't happened in America historically. They have used public-private arrangements many times, and so the solution that Geithner announced um, last month is, is, is very consistent with that. Um, with Obama's huge spending and also with his propping up of the motor industry as well, a lot of right-wing pundits have been calling him socialist, fascist, mm. all sorts. And also in the public there does seem to be a dissatisfaction with the idea of um, bankers getting bailed out with hard-earned taxpayers' money. How does Obama control the sentiment? And surely um, this opposition is going to grow in the mm -hmm. coming while. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there are different things there but uh, in your question, but there's no question that the size of the government sector measured by uh, percentage of public spending and by government debt and by deficits has just ballooned. So it is a much, much bigger uh, government than it was before, um, technically, and that's what you know would be more associated with a socialist arrangement than with a, um, uh, a liberal, neoliberal market. So there is a change there. I don't think he's a socialist because he's not trying to socialise um, industries or um, uh, socialise all education or, or healthcare, of course. He's trying to contribute to those things, but I'll come to that. Um, so I don't think that's a, that's a meaningful phrase. He is using the government in a way which... Um, uh, a die-in-the-wool libertarian, neoliberal, or economic conservative shouldn't. On the other hand, I mean, you know, his his principal response to the banks is an inheritance from the the Bush years. The his pre the guy his predecessor at the Treasury Department, Hank Paulson, introduced this talk and got the the uh, seven hundred billion from Congress to to buy up the assets. Um, the populist backwing is slightly different, and I think that will become an issue. Uh, I think that is an issue. I think Congress will not give a lot more money for rescuing banks, and I think this has been very badly handled. It's extraordinary that money that's been paid to AIG, government money, uh, and to some of the other institutions, then is used to pay their debtors who use it to pay their bonuses. Now, bonuses are probably a tiny fraction of this, but politically, it's 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 uh, it has huge ripples and it looks dreadful when five six million people are losing their jobs and uh, other people are not only retaining their jobs but getting bonuses for having uh, lost a lot of money and caused caused these problems. Um, so there's slightly different things going on there. I don't think it's socialist. I think there is a populist background uh, potentially coming in on this this issue. So what do you envisage for Obama's next hundred and perhaps thousand days? Um, I think a lot more of the same, but with with uh, the same the same agendas, but he needs some success. He needs more successes on them. So healthcare will be the remains the big domestic push. There's going to be something on immigration policy as well, but I think healthcare will be the big push. And on foreign policy, uh, he really has to address these complex Middle East, Afghan, Pakistan uh, border. Uh, issues, North Korea and Iran, all of those are really very pressing problems. And he needs to see improvement in the banking sector and the economy at home. And do you think he is up for the task? I do, I do. I think he'll be re elected in 2012. Yeah. There's nothing coming in, uh, there's no opposition. Uh, he's he's um, enjoying high approval ratings, uh, so I think, he, I think he'll pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. And on that positive note, thank you very much, Professor King. My pleasure, thank you. Thank you all.